Hello, everyone, and welcome back to But Did They Do It podcast. I am your host, McKinley Daw, and I hope you are all having a fantastic week. Um, not a whole ton has been going on for me lately. Um, I've just been home, you know, chilling, enjoying my summer so far. It's been nice to just have some, I don't know, time to relax after my crazy school year, um, but yeah, I don't have any other updates for you guys, so let's just hop into today's episode. Today we will be talking about a trailer home that just suddenly burst into flames in Decatur County, Indiana, killing a three-year-old boy. A faulty arson investigation led investigators to the mother of the deceased boy, Christine Bunch, whom they accused of starting the fire and killing her own son. She maintained her innocence, but was convicted and served 17 years in prison. This is the story of the death of Anthony Bunch and the wrongful conviction of Christine Bunch. So, like I said, our case starts in Decatur County, Indiana. It's unclear what city this incident exactly happened in, since in all the sources it just referred to where it happened as Decatur County. But from most sources, the county is fairly small, and as of 2021, it has a population of 26,320. So I can only imagine that number would be significantly less in 1995 when this story takes place. In the early morning hours of June 30th, 1995, a fire broke out in a trailer home. By Christine's account, she woke up just to find her home on fire. How terrifying would that be? She was 22 at the time and pregnant with her second child. She recounted that she came out of her room and tried to get into Anthony, her son's room, but there was a fire in the doorway and she was unable to get into his room. Christine busted a window in the home, whether that be in her room somewhere else in the home, it wasn't specific, and climbed out and then tried to break the window of her son's room and to try and climb in the window to save him. Her next door neighbors heard the commotion, saw the fire, ran out of their trailer home and pulled her out of the window, most likely just to save her from also perishing in the fire. The fire department arrived and put out the fire, but it was shortly after that fire was put out that Christine was told that her little three-year-old son, Anthony, had died in the fire. I can't imagine as a mother hearing that your child had died, especially when you put forth your best effort to, to try and save him, and it just didn't work. I mean... It wasn't her fault that she wasn't able to get to him, but I can only imagine how devastated she was by this. It was then found out that Anthony had an 80% carbon monoxide level in his blood, which is obviously a lot and really not good for the body. It was just likely from inhaling so much smoke. An arson investigator was called to the scene of the fire to determine how and where it started. And this is just like procedure with every fire, right? They have to investigate it. 
After his investigation, he concluded that the fire had two starting points and that liquid accelerants like kerosene or some sort of lighter fluid had been used. Basically, he concluded the fire started as a result of an arsonist and not by accident. Six days after this investigation concluded and solely on the basis of these findings, Christine was arrested and charged with arson and felony murder. They hadn't done anything else. They just found out that the home was started on fire, not by accident, supposedly, and she's arrested. This is all, it's all going so fast in this part of the story. But her trial began on February 26, 1996. Brian Frank, the arson investigator, told the jury, quote, There were two separate fires. One was in the south bedroom along the south wall that was caused by the liquid accelerant being present. The second fire originated at the doorway, the area of the doorway of the south bedroom into the living room, and there was a liquid accelerant poured across the floor of the living room that went to the front door of the mobile home. End quote. So Brian's testimony was the biggest piece and basically only piece of evidence that the prosecution had against Christine. His testimony was also corroborated by William Kennard, who was a forensic analyst with the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, or the ETF, as Aldish continued to reference them as. The defense had an independent arson investigator testify in Christine's defense. He testified that the cause of the fire should have been classified as undetermined because there was a probability that it could have been accidental. And I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. If I put myself in the shoes of a juror on this case, it really does seem to me that the reliability with what is being presented it lies with the prosecution. They have professionals on their side and an analyst with a U.S. bureau testifying for them. So as a juror, I would probably think Christine was guilty because just of what is being presented. The defense really didn't have anything other than this independent investigator and nothing else. Pretty much they're just saying she didn't do it. So I think from a juror's perspective, I can see where the, like this is all coming from and like why that would be like a determining factor in her guilt. But the defense definitely didn't prove or give any reason for people to believe she didn't do it, in my opinion. I mean, the independent and arson investigator himself seemed unsure of what he was saying, saying there was a probability it could have been accidental, but, like, I don't know, it should have just been unclassified. I mean, undetermined. Classified as undetermined. And that's just... Not very conclusive, so I can see why jurors would be like, oh, she's totally guilty, because they don't, they don't see anything else and what happens after. So on March 4th, 1996, the jury found Christine, who, keep in mind, was still 22 and pregnant, guilty of murder and arson. She was sentenced to concurrent terms in prison of 60 years for the murder and 50 years for arson. So, basically, she'll be serving 110 years in prison, essentially for the rest of her life. Now, I am kind of upset because I couldn't find any information on what happened with her pregnancy and the child that came from that. 
I assume she had the child while she was in jail after she had been convicted and I don't know, maybe gave it up for adoption or to a family member or something. I have zero clue as to what happened with that. You think that'd be something they'd include in all the sources since I feel like that's a pretty big deal that doesn't happen very often. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm just mad there isn't any information on what happened with that anywhere because I, I'm just nosy and I just want to know what happened and where that child is now. I d doubt that they would have that kind of information out there, but just like what happened with the pregnancy, like she had the kid in prison. I wish wish that was somewhere, but I don't know. Fast forward to 2006 when Christine's family sought the assistance of attorney Hillary Bow Rex. A letter from a supporter named Betsy Marks reached the Center on Wrongful Convictions and caught the attention of staff attorney Jane Rayleigh. And together they embarked on a journey to uncover the truth of Christine's case. Rayleigh and her team, including Hillary Rex and Karen Daniel, engaged the expertise of fire forensic experts Jamie McAllister, John DeHaan, and John Maluli. These experts concluded that the arson testimony presented at Christine's trial was highly uh, likely to be incorrect. Seeking further evidence, Rayleigh subpoenaed ATF files related to the original investigation. Shockingly, these documents revealed that the evidence presented at trial didn't support the presence of a liquid accelerant in the bedroom, contrary to the testimony of the forensic analyst at trial. The withheld ATF documents also brought to light a violation of the U.S. Supreme Court's Brady v. Maryland decision, which mandates the disclosure of exculpatory materials to the defense. And this omission further bolstered Christine's claim of innocence. This is only making her look more innocent. In 2008, Rayleigh, Ricks, and Daniel filed an amended petition for post-conviction relief supported by expert affidavits and highlighting the advancements in fire science that challenged Christine's original conviction. They argued that she deserved a new trial based on the new evidence and the violation of her rights. Finally, an evidentiary hearing took place in October 2009, and after careful consideration, Judge John A. Westheffer denied relief on June 8, 2010. However, undeterred, the defense team decided to appeal this decision. Joined by attorney John Larimore, who they brought on later into the appeals process, they presented Christine's case before the Court of Appeals of Indiana in July 2011. After months of anticipation on March 21, 2012, the court made a momentous decision and reversed Christine Bunch's conviction. The Court of Appeals concluded that Christine was entitled to a new trial based on the evolving science of fire investigation, which met the criteria for new evidence. Additionally, the newly disclosed ATF evidence directly contradicted the forensic analyst's trial testimony regarding the origin of the fire. With the Court of Appeals ruling in her favor, Christine's fight for justice took a significant step forward. 
On August 8, 2012, the Indiana Supreme Court unanimously declined to overturn the decision, solidifying the path to freedom for Christine Bunch. After spending 17 years, one month, and 16 days behind bars for a crime she didn't commit, which seemingly wasn't a crime at all, Christine walked out of Decatur County Jail embracing her family, who had stood by her side throughout this whole ordeal. But the story doesn't end there, as the prosecution ultimately dropped the charges against Christine just days before Christmas in 2012. She later filed a federal civil rights lawsuit, but she dismissed it in 2019 to seek compensation under Indiana's newly enacted compensation statute instead. In 2020, it was ruled that Christine was eligible for over $800,000 in compensation, which she received. And that is the story of the death of Anthony Bunch and the wrongful conviction of Christine Bunch. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at but did they do it pod. I'm trying to post more on there, be more consistent with that. Um, and I will see you guys next week with a brand new episode. Bye.